Amen. I ask you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3 is where we pick up today. When you get there, you can go to verse 23. We, uh, If you're using that pew Bible there in front of you, it's on page 1182, 1182 in the pew Bible. Luke chapter 3. I remember growing up seeing a picture of me with my great great grandmother she was in a rocking chair and i remember her hair all pulled back gray as can be and i was really small at the time i just remember that's why i saw this in a picture because it's not a memory that i really have it's amazing she was my grandfather's grandmother five generations separated me and her and you know those types of pictures are rare i you know back when Newspapers were a much bigger thing. I remember growing up at least where we grew up, and if there was a five-generation picture, it made the paper many times, and it would talk about that because it was such a big deal. It doesn't happen all the time, and, and, but five generations, that's a big deal. You know, there's a growing trend of people wanting to know their past, their family tree, their ancestors. And I don't know if some of you are that way. You likely might be. The DNA or the genealogy market has doubled every year since 2015 to its all-time high in 2023. The five main things people are interested in knowing when they walk into this DNA or genealogy market, they want to know their family history. They want to know their ancestry, their personal identity. They want to know health information. It's gotten to a point now where I've read where you can understand if you are likely to encounter something in life if it's part of your family historical DNA. And they want to know about their community. Where did they come from and, 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 and things like that. So this week I spent some time researching and found the three most popular providers. Now, I'm not here to encourage you to do this. I'm not here to tell you which one you should do. I'm just, I just, as I was reading the scripture, you, just, you know, hopefully this all makes sense here in just a minute. But the three biggest ones are a place called CGI Genetics. That's the number one place. Ancestry, I think they've, they've dropped the .com, but Ancestry and then 23andMe. Those are the top three DNA slash ancestry tools that are out there. Now, I'm not a science person, and you go, tell me. Well, they know. You, you know I'm not a science person, and so I, I'm liable to mess up a couple of these words, but DNA stands for uh, deoxyribonucleic acid. That's what DNA stands for, and it's found in every living cell everywhere. It's a long chemical chain that tells our cells how to grow, how to act, and how to express themselves. DNA is divided into chromosomes or major building blocks, which are then divided into genes. And some of you are going all the way back to that junior level chemistry class that you didn't make it well in, but you're picking up some of these words. I know that's where I was as you come through this. Humans have 23 pair of chromosomes, or 46 chromosomes in all, and they're arranged in what scientists and chemical, uh, chemists talk about a double helix, just a formation. We get 23 chromosomes from our mother. We get 23 chromosomes from our 
father. And in humans, that 23rd chromosome is either an X chromosome or a Y chromosome, and that determines whether we are a male or a female. That's the way the body works. Women have two X chromosomes, while men have an X and also a Y. Now, there are three types of testing that they use for this ancestry or this DNA genealogy testing. And, and I, think it's, I think it matters. So I'm going to share it with you. Each one is different, but the first one and the most popular one is called autosomal DNA. It tells you how you've inherited. It tells you about your family tree. It provides an estimate of your ethnicity or the regions from the world where your ancestors live, and it can go back as far as a few hundred years. This test also matches you to your distant relatives. So that's autosomal DNA. Now, you don't have to, this is not going to be a test as we get into heaven, but I think it matters here in just a minute. The second one they look at is called Y-DNA. This test looks at your Y chromosome found only in males, the Y chromosome is passed from father to son and changes very little over time. So this Y DNA allows you to trace your direct line back thousands of years. Females, they can ask a relative, a brother, a father, or an uncle to take that test for them to be able to gain that information. And then conversely, there is one called MT DNA called mitochondrial DNA, and it's passed from the mother to all of her children, both male and female, and examines the direct maternal line only. Like Y-DNA, MT-DNA changes very slowly over time, and so you can chase it, trace it back heretically um, for thousands of years. That's all I know. I haven't done one. But if you do, if you do, do one, or if you have done one, Feel free to let me know what interesting things you find out, especially if you go all the way back and you find out we're related. I'd like to know that. And uh, so that's the background uh, that we're doing. And also, I've had you look, and you probably already peeked ahead, but I'm, we're in Luke 3, picking up at verse 23. And when you get into verses 24 and beyond, we're getting into some names. And I mentioned this on Wednesday night as you were reading ahead and things like that. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to say these names right, but for the purpose of First Baptist Church on January the 14th, 2024, what Jeff says is the most accurate pronunciation of a name that we know. Because I've had people where I've said names in the past, they'll come up to me and they'll correct me and they'll say, you know you said that name wrong. And I'm going, well, no, I didn't know I said it wrong or I would have tried to say it right. But I've joked with them, as I'm joking now, is when you get your own church, you can pronounce people's names any way you want to. There you go. That's right. So am I going to say them right? Am I going to say every name accurate and correctly in these verses that we're getting ready to read? Yes. Some of it... I heard some no's. You guys still haven't gotten it. Yes. What Jeff says is correct, at least today, okay? All right. So let's stand together as we read what I believe is a very important part of God's Word. 
We're going to read verses 23 of Luke chapter 3 all the way through the end of the chapter, verse 38. It's also on the screen. Here we go. Now, Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Yana, the son of Joseph, the son of Mattathiah, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Esli, the son of Nagai, the son of Moth, the son of Mattathiah, the son of Semi, the son of Joseph, the son of Judah, the son of Yoannes, the son of Risa, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melchi, the son of Adi, the son of Kosam, the son of Elmodom, the son of Ur, the son of Jose, the son of Eleazar, the son of Yoram, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Yonan, the son of Eliakim, the son of Malia, the son of Menan, the son of Mattathah, the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salmon, the son of Nashon, the son of Amenadab, the son of Ram, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Serug, the son of Reu, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Aphrasad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalalel, the son of Canaan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Absolutely. There you go. All right, let's all sit down. Feel free to have a seat. Keep your scripture open. We're going to be touching it in a number of other places. You can pick up your test of names on the way out, so I would be listening well for the next few minutes as we spend our time together. Now, most would say, while I do theme speaking topics every now and then, most of the time we are an expository preaching uh, Sunday morning. I'm an expository preacher, which means that we take the Word of God and we move through the Word of God, and there's pluses and minuses to being that, and they're both the same. The plus and the minus is, is you don't get to dodge topics. You get to face whatever comes next in Scripture. And if you recall, last week we left Jesus as a boy, but I'll also take you back three weeks before that where we talked about John the Baptist to open up the Christmas season. So we covered all of those things in Luke that we've skipped this week, and now we're here in Luke chapter 3. We get to, because it is next, in an expository world, we get to talk about this Scripture. Now, that's an important thing, covering what's next, because in 2 Timothy, you don't have to go there, I'm just going there, I want to read a scripture to you, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, this is why I think expository preaching is an important factor, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 says this, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Church say all, all scripture. So Jeff, do you think that 
Timothy and Paul, do you think Paul was talking, we wrote this letter to Timothy, do you think that Paul was saying that when Luke wrote in Luke chapter 3, verses 23 to 38, all of these names, do you think that God intended that as important? And the answer is absolutely. Church, this is absolute. We, I don't even want to elevate certain scriptures, and I don't want to say that this one might be less important than some. No, because that would be us saying that something God said was less important. God took the time to make sure that Luke knew and understood that the Holy Spirit moved Luke to write this down, and this topic, these verses, all of these names that would be easy for us to step over and get to the good stuff, if we do that, we would miss something that God has for us. And so I don't know if you've ever spent time reading the begats of all of this, but it's an important thing to understand. Because everything we just read, every name we just talked about, was a preface to the beginning of the early ministry of Jesus. Did you notice that? It said in verse 23, Now Jesus began his ministry at about 30 years of age. Now, last week, in Luke chapter 2, Jesus was 12. And remember, we left him there, and he was in the city. He was about his father's business, and we were challenged that way. And since that time, in our world, in the life of Jesus, we have moved 18 years forward. 18 years where Jesus grew, became spiritually strong and wise, and was about his father's business. And it was God who decided that in this moment, at the age of 30, it was time for Jesus to begin his earthly ministry. He had always been, but it was time for him to fulfill what God had said was going to happen at the appropriate time. And this is the appropriate time. But the first thing that God tells Luke to tell me and you after telling us that Jesus' earthly ministry began at the age of 30 was to go back through and tell us his family tree. And we need to take time to look at this. Verse 23, let's just look at it. It says, being, about 30 years of age, being, and mine is, is parenthetical, as was supposed, the son of Joseph. Now, you know, in the world, they believe that history shows that Mary and Joseph were the parents of Jesus, but we know we spent a great deal of time through the Christmas season talking about the virgin birth, talking about God's plan and purpose, talking about this being all God, the Son of God, and, and all man, and how Joseph was his adopted or his foster parent, if you want to say, in this world, and that God called Joseph to this, and we studied this. And so the world believes, because Jesus' ministry is just beginning, that Joseph is Jesus' father. And so we just need to understand that background. But Scripture says, and it tells us that, because the world supposed that he was. But Jesus was all God. He was the Son of God, we have talked about. And Jesus was all man. He was from Mary, and we have talked about that and its importance. And then it goes on in verse 23. It says, Now Jesus himself began his ministry at the age of 30, being as was supposed the son of Joseph. And then it goes on with our first begat. Now, it's an interesting thing here. If you read your Bible, 
Because I can't tell you that I know with absolute certainty certain things that I'm getting ready to share with you. I can tell you what historians, I can tell you what uh, theologians, I can tell you a lot of things, but can I know with 100 absolute percent certainty some of these things? No, that's where our faith comes in. That's where the reasonableness of God's Word comes in. That's where the inspiration of the Holy Spirit fills in the blanks for us when we move forward. But it says here that Joseph is the son of Heli, H-E-L-I. Now note, this is the second genealogy of Jesus that's been provided by the gospel writers. If we were to turn, and we're not, but if we were to turn to Matthew chapter 1, in verses 1 through 17, Matthew does a genealogy of Jesus. And if we looked at verse 16, it would say that Joseph's father was named Jacob. And so for those who read Scripture and pay attention, you could be conflicted right here because you could say Luke chapter 3, 23 says that Joseph's father was named Heli. And then in Matthew 1, 16, it says that Joseph's father was Jacob. And that could cause us a little bit of challenge. We're going to talk about that for a second. But I first wanted to make this little caveat if you're not reading God's Word close enough to have caught that potential statement of confusion, then you need to slow down in your reading of God's Word. Because if you're going, I've never noticed that before. I did not know that Matthew said it was Jacob and Luke said it was Heli. I hadn't seen that before. Well, either you haven't seen it because you're not spending time regularly in God's Word, or you're one of a large percentage of people that go, the begats are not my thing, so I just skip them, or you're reading too fast. And church, I want to encourage you, slow down, be in God's Word, cherry pick nothing, read it all. But we're, we're faced with this challenge, this difference that we see. Both Matthew's genealogy and Luke's genealogy uh, demonstrate that Jesus is the legitimate heir to David's throne. So I want to point out a few things. Matthew's people believe that Matthew provides Jesus's genealogy legally through his adopted earthly father, Joseph. And so Matthew is not trying to tell you the family tree of anybody but Joseph, the man that God chose to be the earthly father of Jesus. And that's how we get that in Matthew chapter 1. It says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 6, that Nathan, the son of David. So... Matthew is telling us in Matthew chapter 1 that Jesus is genealogy, and he says that he is the legal heir to the throne of David, which is what God promised, through David's son, Nathan. Nathan was Solomon's brother. You can go, and he's in Scripture three different times in the 
listing of the family of David from Bathsheba. Nathan is Solomon's little brother. But it also goes back to Luke, where we are. Historians believe, theologians believe, I, I think Jeff believes that what Luke is seeking to do is reveal to us the genealogy of Jesus through his mother, Mary. Now, you know, Luke was the most pro-woman of all the gospel writers. Luke makes a big deal. But when you're talking about the genealogy, it would have been unacceptable in that day for them to say, Jesus the son of Mary, it had to come through a male. But then after he, Luke establishes the son of Joseph, supposed to be, he goes in and starts talking about Mary's family tree. And if you follow that family tree, if you recall what we read, Mary family tree comes all the way down through Solomon, the son of David. And I think I've said those backwards. Nathan is in Luke, and Solomon is in Matthew. Sorry about that. And it's interesting to me when I'm doing my research, is as if Matthew is helping us walk through the Father's DNA, the why DNA, and how Luke is helping us walk through the Mother's DNA or the MT DNA. Now, that's just how I associate it because we know there are two paths that can reveal two different things, and God is allowing us to know these two paths for Jesus. Jesus was qualified to be the Messiah legally through Joseph and qualified physically through Mary. Jesus had both the prophetic and the legal right to the Davidic promises. Without these genealogies, history would not support Jesus as the Messiah. But church, because of these genealogies, because God was thoughtful enough to put it in his word, because of these genealogies, history will support Jesus as the Messiah. Now, in verses 23 to 38, there were a total of 75 generations listed all the way back to Adam. Now, again, I cannot tell you that there are 75 generations that Luke has actually given us the name of every single person in the genealogy of Jesus. It's interesting, in your Bible, when it gets to son of, son of, son of, I bet you it's italicized. Son. Because in some of the original manuscripts, son was not in there, and it just said Joseph of Heli, of, 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 which means that you're not necessarily having to hit every single one in the family tree. You're just proving the point, the Spirit says, that we can get all the way back to that. So I've stated all of this, and I want to just bring up six ways we can apply this to our lives this morning. For starters, when you read this genealogy from Joseph all the way back to Adam, we can see that Jesus has always been God's plan. Always been God's plan. He is God's plan A, and God has no plan B. 
God has been doing everything since the beginning. God has been providentially and sovereignly ruling and overruling to bring about the activities that have led to Jesus being born. This is God's way of helping us understand his revelation of love and redemption through Jesus. It is important for us to understand that Jesus has always been God's plan. From when he was born, and Luke takes us all the way back to the beginning. The second thing, you notice Jesus is connected to Adam in this genealogy. Now, it's interesting, when you go back to Matthew and you read it, for starters, Matthew and Luke do them in reverse order. We know they're doing different names because we believe they're doing Mary and uh, Joseph genealogies. But Matthew goes back to Abraham. He doesn't go any further back. And you do the study on why Matthew would be writing this and why he would stop at Abraham, it's likely because Matthew being a Jewish man, was writing the gospel that was going to be important to the Jewish nation to be understanding the heritage of Jesus that he had. And so Matthew stopped at Abraham. But Luke did not stop at Abraham. Luke takes it all the way to Adam. And Jesus is the promised offspring. If we were to go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, remember, sin has entered into the world. God has now intervened. And we found out that there's this big blame party going on. And God curses Satan and says that your time is coming and there will soon come a time when his heel will, cur will, will crush your head. And now because Luke has taken us all the way back to the beginning, we're all the way back to God says it's time. It's the beginning of this uh, offspring, the fulfillment of God's promise of redemption is happening, not just through Jesus being born as the Redeemer, but through Jesus being born as the judge that will eventually take place in Scripture. Jesus has always been God's plan. Jesus is connected to Adam in the, in the genealogy, so we're going back to the judgment that Satan will place. Verse, or number three, Jesus is for all people. I shared with you that Matthew traces back to Abraham only because of the covenant and the nation of Israel. But because Luke traces back to Adam, not just does it point back to where God is going to judge through Jesus, Satan, but it also emphasizes the universal relevance for Jesus to the entire human race. Everybody. Church, can we understand that God created and loves everybody and desires everybody to come to know Jesus as their Savior? And Luke is laying down the genealogy all the way back to before there were nations and ethnicities, all the way back to people. God wants everybody. We can be encouraged by that at the end of God's Word. In Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, it says this, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one can number, of all nations, tribes, people, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. 
Church, have you ever thought that Jesus is not for somebody? This genealogy says Jesus is for everybody, all the way back to Adam. Yep, that person you're thinking about right now that you go, no, Jesus is not for them. He really is. He really is. Jesus is for everybody. Now, they have to come to him by faith, but he is available to everybody. Number four, Jesus was both the Son of God and the Son of Man. Jesus was born into this world, identified with the needs and problems of man, lived a life pleasing to God, and then died for all mankind on the cross because of our sins. I want to read a scripture to you if you want to take this note down. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. Hebrews 4, 14 and 15 says this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus was the Son of God and the Son of Man. He is our high priest. He sympathizes. He knows because he's all man what we are going through. Number five, Jesus is still the Son of God and the Son of Man. Still. You know, Scripture teaches that He intercedes on our behalf all the time before the Father. Jesus is right there with us. He intercedes on behalf of those, not everybody, on those who have confessed our sin and accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But yet, He stands ready, even today, to receive whosoever will, Scripture says, when they come by faith to Jesus. And the last one, Jesus desires to use you as his vessel and witness in this world. Now, I don't know about you, but if I go back to my family tree, there are going to be certain branches I'm going to want to cut out. If we go back through Jesus' tree, Matthew's or Luke's, we're going to find all kinds of people. David, murderer. Rahab, prostitute. Well, there are people in there that aren't Jewish. God used every single person. Now, there's a, there's a difference between God's ability to use and our ability to be used. God has the ability to bring, as Romans 8 talks about, to use all things for good, whether they're good or not. And this genealogy of Jesus, God used people that the world might think are unusable. But God used them. God redeemed them. God brought them to pass. And there are some that weren't good people, and I don't know that they're redeemed. But God used them to bring about his purpose. And so it's hard for me to believe that God was that intentional from Adam 
all the way through, name by name by name, all the way through to the birth of Jesus, to the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and then all of a sudden, God's desire to keep track and use people just ends. It doesn't. He wanted to use the disciples. He wanted to use Saul, become Paul. He wanted to use many different people in the centuries beyond. And I believe that one of the greatest importance of this genealogy is that if you follow your genealogy all the way back, all the way back, biblically speaking, you follow your genealogy all the way back, son of Adam, son of God. God desires to use you. And you're going, but I'm not usable. Well, tell that to Rahab. Or tell that to David. Or tell that to Solomon. It's not our good that God is after. It's his good through us that he is after. God desires to use you. Song of the month, revival. I mentioned during the welcome, do you know where revival starts? It starts with you. In you, in this moment, you can decide, no matter where I've been, no matter what I've done, I want God to be honored and glorified in my life, and I want revival to begin in my life, and I'm going to yield my life to Jesus today in any way he wants to be to be used. Because think about this for a second. You've been impacted by the generation before you. Then you're going, yep, it was a great impact. Or you're going, nope, it wasn't a great impact. And you've been impacted by the generation before them. Your grandparents and the generation before them. But this also works true. I'm impacting my children. You know, I've chatted with you all, and if parents and children are in the same room, whether you're young children and older parents or whether you're older children and, and older parents, grandparents, once you're a parent, you're always a parent. You just got to get better at it. You just got to somehow parent these kids that are adults in ways that they don't believe they're being parented. Sorry, parents, I just gave away your biggest trick. That's the work we have. Because we understand that we are always impacting the next generation. And to think that I can't impact my granddaughter would be a mistake. Lord willing, my family line doesn't end right there. And she has children. And I want to be pops to the limit to where her children get impacted by me because of what the Lord did in and through me to touch my children, my grandchildren, and my great-grandchildren. You know, Scripture history says that 100 years from now, people may not know who you are. Let me tell you, that's not always true. We spend our lives learning about people whose lives were lived well enough that we're still talking about them. Don't give in to that. 
Your life matters. And the Lord desires to use you in ways that you can't even imagine. And I think that's the greatest thing I get from this genealogy. And so here's the final question. Are you living a life that will be worthy of being passed down? Are you living a life that when people trace your life back, they get back to Jesus and his change in your life? Are you now living from the family tree of Jesus? Son of Adam, son of God. Are you living for the Lord? I pray that as you go back and you read this and you pronounce those names any way you want to, I pray that you will understand and remember these things. God has always had a plan. He's always been revealing that plan. It's always been through people, and he desires to continue it through you. Amen? Amen. Church, let's stand. We're going to... Take a time. We've talked about revival and how it begins in you, and I pray that maybe that's your prayer today. We talk about how God wants to use you today, and I pray that you'll yield your life to him today. We've also talked about how some don't yet know Jesus, so they can't, they haven't even been grafted into the family tree of Christ yet. And I pray today, if that's where you find yourself, you might come to know Jesus. Whatever God is calling you to do, I pray that you'll respond in that way, whether it's publicly or whether it's right there where you are. But the one thing I do know, God did not intend His Word, Luke 3, 23 to 38, to be the topic of this sermon in this church with this family for us to walk out and it have no effect. He did it on purpose. And we've tried to be faithful to stay in His Word. May we now let Him have His way. Let's pray.